Welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to James Gordon, who you may remember from his eight years representing Ward 2 on Guelph City Council. Gordon decided last year that eight was enough, so to speak, and that he would step away from City Council in order to open up a spot for new leadership at the city. And that meant returning to his first love, music. Of course, Gordon never really left music to take part in local politics. He was still touring, he was still releasing new music, and you might even say that he had his biggest hit last year when he was still a city councillor. But can you quit politics so easily? Is James Gordon jonesing for his old chair around the horseshoe? Well, we're going to find out on this week's Guelph Politicast. You want to hear something weird about James Gordon? He's listed on the Wikipedia page for Canadian anti-Iraq war activists alongside Neil Young and James Loney of the Christian Peacemaker teams. But yet, there's no reference to any anti-Iraq war activism on his actual Wikipedia page. You see, when you've been around long enough, this is one of the little trivia details you collect, and James Gordon has been around for a long time. Before his successful elections to Guelph City Council in 2014 and 2018, and even before his first political run as the local NDP candidate in 2011, Gordon was an accomplished singer, songwriter, producer, and instrumentalist. He was also a successful activist and community organizer. He co-founded the Hillside Festival, the Canadian Songwriters Festival, the Guelph Civic League, the Guelph Arts Platform, and Wellington Water Watchers. But for the last eight years, Gordon has mostly been defined by the work he was doing inside Guelph City Hall, which isn't to say that he didn't lose touch with his other career, the other James Gordon, the international rock star. In fact, he made news with his music last year by releasing Crybaby's Caravan, a send-up of the Freedom Convoy protests in Ontario and Alberta. But last May, Gordon announced that his formal career in politics was at an end. He wanted to make more space on council for that new generation of leadership, which meant completely embracing his musical career once again. And he's looking pretty good because this week he's having an official launch for not just one, but two different books. Granted, one of those books came out during the pandemic, but it never got that live launch with an in-person event. So maybe this is the official relaunch of Gordon the Musician. But has he really left politics behind? Well, that's one of the things we're going to talk about with James Gordon on this week's episode of the Guelph Politicast. We'll learn if Gordon feels compelled to keep an eye on council business, whether or not he feels his decision to leave council was worth it, and how it feels like to be on the outside again after all those years on the inside. We'll also talk about picking up where he left off with his music, being on the road again, and how he's been able to cope with the changes to the music business in this age of streaming. And we will also talk about his new activist work abroad, how he's navigating all the extra free time he's had lately, and whether or not he's done with politics for good. So I caught up with James Gordon last week via Zoom. Okay, James Gordon, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, just out of my own curiosity, uh, given you're three, four months out of uh, council business now, do you ever find yourself... Uh, on I guess Tuesday night now they moved the, the the day, but I mean you know on council night do you ever kind of uh, feel like uh, opening up the computer and uh, checking out the live stream? Do you, do you feel uh, like it? 
<laughs> is it um does it reflect badly on me that the answer is no <laughs> i'll let others decide <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's funny i i think i'm having a bit of a moratorium around that and i'll get i'll get back to it and i think i'll get pushed back to it because because of my involvement with the previous two terms on council I always get asked, people say, what do you think about what they did at the meeting last night? Can you believe it? And I said, well, I, I didn't even know. So I suppose I should, as a good citizen, I should keep myself well informed by, especially by reading all the Adam Donaldson columns that I can, you know. <laughs> uh, no comment. Uh, having said that, uh, you know, one of the reasons you said you weren't going to run again is because you wanted to open up the door to to new leadership. Uh, hopefully younger leadership yeah and yeah. uh i think that promise has has been achieved but i i wonder how you feel about yeah. your your successors yeah i am thrilled with it actually and the little i have been following it looks like um despite the fact that uh two progressive counselors did not run again myself included it looks like an even more progressive council than last time, which pleases me no end. And it looks like they have the critical mass uh, to get some things done. And I'm also really, uh, I'm just hearing this anecdotally, but my literal successor in the Ward 2 role, which Carly Klassen, it looks like she's hit the ground running and is doing great work and also has found a really successful collaborative partnership with the other ward two counselor rodrigo goller and that can be rare so i'm i'm really pleased with that are you saying you didn't have a collaborative relationship with rodrigo oh no I, we did i did <laughs> yeah. careful, careful adam yeah there just, we go. just teasing i know, I know. <laughs> um, looking back uh when you made the decision um i i think you said your music was something you wanted to get back to that the artsy sure. side of things sure. um but in terms of like picking it like a direction picking stuff to do um mm -hmm. or maybe like not wanting to do anything at all i mean how did you approach i mean how did you plan sort of this huh. big chunk of space that took up your life for eight years and yeah. and and like how how did you plan on sort of transforming that like what were your well, thoughts that's a good question in some ways, and I think I've grumbled to you about this before, I was I was under the false impression that having a what was ostensibly a part-time job as a counselor would still enable me to be full-time in the music business. The two things around that are that, as you know, it wasn't really a part-time job. It was part-time pay. And the 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 full time, I wasn't really able to devote the time I wanted to my work in the art sector, um, even, even though it looked like I could carve it out. But having essentially two full time jobs um, was hard on my health. It was, I, I felt that I wasn't doing either of them as effectively as I could. So, really reducing to essentially one full time job is still full-time it's keeping me very <laughs> very busy but i think it's more focused and i'm digging into things that makes them a little bit more rewarding and a little bit more effective mm -hmm. you know you 
and we'll, we'll get into the details in a sec, but you know, you are looking at sort of still maintaining a, a, a toe in activism at the very sure. least. Sure. And I'm curious in terms of, and, and I think we talked about this like way back when you, when you were running for provincial office, but you know, in terms of like being outside and being an activist and outside the power structures and like bringing all that enthusiasm and that knowledge and that experience, sure. trying to bring it inside. And now mm-hmm. you're, you're, you've been inside, you were inside for yeah. eight years and now yeah. you're on the outside again. Yeah. Is, I mean, ha- what insights have you gleaned from that? Well, I mean, are you a better outsider now that you've been inside? Well, I, I don't mean to, uh, to disparage the, the efforts that a current council is able to do, but in some ways I think I got out in time <laughs> and because I might be, I may have an opportunity to be more effective on the outside because currently on the inside, I can't, I have nothing but empathy for the, like, here I am not a counselor, but what would, as an as a senior citizen now, I'm always asking, what is the very best use of your precious time? And I see the current council and the mayor; they're working their hearts out. They're they're doing what they can, and yet there are so many more obstacles right now. With like, why would you spend ten hours in a planning meeting, then? turning down a planning proposal and that knowing that it's going to get reversed right away by mm. Ford's mafia, you know? Mm. So, so that would, that was frustrating for me when I was in, but it's probably more frustrating now when they see with bill 23 and everything that makes ca- being a counselor almost impotent, I'd say. So. I've asked that a lot with the, the, especially the new counselors that, you know, was this the job you, you ran uh, for? Oh yeah. And I think there was pretty much universal agreement that, you know, the day after they're elected, the job was fundamentally changed from, right. from, from what they want, even from what they are meant to do in terms of like the daily work of being a counselor and, and, and not even getting into the stuff they wanted to do, which uh, sure. they, they have to plan for and make room on the agenda for. Yeah. And in fact, there's the best example here. I'm, I've said I wasn't really paying attention, but I've been following some <laughs> of the things. Um, you know, right after that new crew got in, they they were kind of blackmailed into signing this pledge kind mm. of around around housing and Bill Twenty Three, which I think everybody knew was just window dressing and didn't mean anything. And yet, they must have spent a long time ending up agreeing that. It's better to sign it than to not sign it. But what does it really mean? You know, so so that's why, yeah, I have nothing but empathy. And I'm curious to know how how any municipal government could turn that around again so that they they do have the tools necessary to represent their communities in the way that cities want them to. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering then, um, th- this project of yours uh, working with I hope I say his name right, Justin Zahindula. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, to help people in the Democratic Republic of Congo, you know, help yeah. with their health care, help with their uh, issues, their environment, you know, uh, you know, is is that, and correct me if I'm uh, kind of going off script here, but I mean, is yeah. that a kind of an admission that the, the local mission it, it has uh, to at least be put on pause because of all these things we're talking uh, about? 
I would look at it a little differently. I, I think I, I can't say that my local mission was accomplished. <laughs> but I would, I would say that I, I contributed what I could, and mm. perhaps the thought uh, behind this Congo project is okay. Uh, what if I turn my attention and my advocacy more into uh, global situations? Um, and since you know you segued for me into that project, it really came about like people say, James, what do you mean you're helping to put together a health center in Congo? What do you know <laughs> about that? And I said, I know nothing about that, but I was, I, I kept getting asked on the basis that, well, James, you don't know about that, but you seem to have learned how to get things done. Mm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So, so if I can, if that's true, which is debatable, <laughs> um, if it is true, I could lend a skill set to things outside my local comfort zone to see if they they could be effective. And it, so far, it looks like they are. And it it also means new adventures, new horizons for me, and that's exciting too. This wasn't kind of clear with what I was reading about the project on your website. Have you been to Congo before? I I've been. I was in Rwanda um, okay. just. A, about six weeks ago okay. and and it's an interesting situation you're probably aware in the drc there are it's so desperate there and it's lawless and dangerous that in kigali in rwanda i had meetings with there's a quite a large population of congolese advocates practitioners expat politicians that are kind of working out of Rwanda, which is only an hour and a half drive from Kigali to Congo. And they're kind of regrouping and making plans in a safer environment so that they can move them back into the Congo. Mm -hmm. So that was my experience. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was a long way to go to have a few meetings, but <laughs> I had some other things on my agenda there too. But um, it felt really important just to meet in person and to get a vibe for, it's very exciting. You know, there's a lot of talk about Africa's is our future. Mm. There is, it's, it, it's a colonialist racist construct where it got referred to as the dark continent. Right. <laughs> and right. I find I find there's a lot of light there. There's a lot of exciting things going on. Even as an environmentalist, I'll tell you, my when I landed on the airplane into Kigali, first thing they do is check your baggage, and if you've got a plastic bag, it's a hundred and fifty dollar fine. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, so they're they're environmentally conscious. They're doing a lot of forward thinking things and providing especially in rwanda since they had just 29 years ago that uh, genocide they've found ways to turn themselves around and to find ways to gather in community and to find hope and uh, i learned a lot there that i'm bringing home with me actually like what well i think just that power you know me i've always been spouting off about the power of community <laughs> and yet there i could see it instead of just talking about it you can see it in action you know that they have we have uh 
every year you've probably taken part too. You know, we have a Guelph spring cleanup, mm -hmm. but in, in Rwanda, they have once a month where no cars are allowed to drive and every community member is pretty well required to get out and clean the neighborhood. And they have, um, meetings they after their little cleanup they meet with on a neighborhood basis and talk about issues and bring them forward and seems to be very this is a the biggest irony of the place you know very grassroots democracy in the context of a dictatorship <laughs> which it is mm. and and it's actually it, it sort of was a head-blowing experience to find that it's actually I believe the only benign dictatorship in the world. So, <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, everyone loves that guy. Um, and he's has turned things around. And yet the love is tempered by the fact that <clears throat> you'll see soldiers with machine guns standing in the corners. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> but that being said, I, I couldn't find, I looked being a, being an advocate for a lot, lots of things. And, uh, I looked for that kind of underground resistance underbelly and didn't really find it much. <laughs> Interesting. Well, it, it makes me think about the, and maybe you've heard about it, all the people turning out in Oxford, England, because uh, they, they wanted to encourage 15 minute communities and oh, yeah. uh, shut down, yeah. shut down streets, certain streets to a non-local traffic at certain times a day as a way to, yeah. Yeah. to, decongest and how that was kind of embraced as a as a conspiracy theory that I know. Uh, and then here, oh. here you have in congo which you think would align yeah. nicely with conspiratorial thought and people yes. coming from elsewhere to take over yeah. and they're that's banning right. cars from the yeah. street for a day yeah. yeah that's actually i did hear about that oxford thing that's quite hilarious that all of a sudden you know we we're dealing with this impossible buzzword woke all the yeah. time yeah but now that this 15 minute city has become a bad word, right? Just like, just like when I got elected to council, I remember the, uh, the, the headline in the Guelph Mercury, such as it was then said, uh, James Gordon plans to continue his activism horrors. You know, <laughs> and like, like that's <laughs> like, that was a, that was a bad word too. So yeah, we've got a long way to go with using those, uh, those strange buzzwords for nefarious purposes. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, woke is shorter than activism. So maybe that's right. a, <laughs> yeah. just a time saving measure. I'm curious <laughs> how, when it comes to your activism, how, like looking at the global scale of things, I mean, obviously when you're talking about things like climate change, there, there's right. a global, there's a global context to it, but I mean, in specifically like going from Guelph to, rwanda and congo and and places halfway around the world like did, yeah. did you ever imagine yourself sort of being this global in your activism i i did not and i i actually am second guessing myself as called <laughs> well why like my work in the art sector has been global so what like why not mm. um and i think if there's a reason um we may have discussed this before but because i've been as a touring artist on the road more than 40 years um it was always extra important for me for when i came home 
to do what I could to make this the best community it could be. Right. Um, so I think I had that division. Okay, I'm out there in the world, but while I'm home, I'm doing that thing that I do to to try and sometimes bringing my global experiences back back into the community. But now it'd be interesting. It's interesting to me to see if what I can reverse that and go. Okay, I was a counselor for eight years. I've been an advocate for a lot of issues here in Guelph. How can I use that experience and bring it other places where it's where it's needed, appreciated, and maybe I can have an impact there? And to be clear, like you didn't spin a globe and put your finger no. on it. That no. you know, th these were like organic connections you made. Yeah. Or so yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having said that, I mean, is is there, you know, where where in the world does James Gor James Gordon ne go next? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is very freaky to me that Africa is calling, and I it wasn't a choice of mine. So I, this project in the Congo came up when uh, I I give these. Um, I facilitate retreat weekends, usually in the arts, but I retreat I facilitated one last summer that was more about uh health um health and well-being for refugees and new canadians and i gave a ride all the way down to kingston to this guy who was a congolese refugee the whole time the whole trip he's saying james i've got to give back my village from the congo is desperate and what can we do to help and it it ended up being sort of a a focus for the discussion at the retreat and then the whole drive back he's saying well james how can how can you help and it was pretty irresistible that just fell into my lap but i also had speaking of these retreats i have a business partner rv gosmo who is from guelph he used to run the magnolia restaurant mm -hmm. we, do, we run these retreats in canada because of that experience she was invited to rwanda to help establish one there so she said well james if you if you could get yourself here to rwanda i think we could cook up some schemes and there are things in the works and as soon as i finish this meeting with you i'm on another zoom call about an ongoing project that is in senegal and oh wow none of it is a none of it is a choice it's very strange <laughs> that there's something out there and my biggest lesson in rwanda was part of the the great spirit of hope that they have. They have a saying that nothing is coincidence. Mm. <laughs> they very firmly believe that. And so when I go, well, how did this happen? They'll go, well, just just listen. It it happened for a reason. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what I'm trying to tap into now. Africa is calling indeed. Um, yeah. I want to talk about your your career as a rock star for a bit. Sure. Um, <laughs> people you know can go to your website and i i was perusing it you're pretty your your calendar is pretty packed this year yeah uh, is that like proactive or is it like the, the canadian landscape is like oh my god james gordon's touring oh. again we have to book him <laughs> oh uh no i wish i could say that i wish <laughs> that the, the phone doesn't ring as often in the music business as it used to um it's in some ways adam um in some ways it was an economically stupid decision to give up a paycheck that i got as a city councillor when and go back to a business that is totally unsustainable right now like it's just <laughs> desperate <laughs> um 
So I'm out there just because of COVID too. I think everyone's regrouping and everyone's doing what I'm doing. Okay, get yourself out there, remind them that you're still alive, see if you can find ways to make it viable. But I did my first tour since COVID while I was still a counselor. Last September, I toured the West Coast and I came away with shocking math, really, that I would say that since I played those same places four years ago, the expenses were double, at least, mm-hmm. like with airfare, car rental, oh, that's insane, um, hotels, all the expenses. And I think the income was half because mm. there's a perfect storm where it, we, we're seeing it in Guelph now with venues. People have either made a lifestyle choice that they learned during COVID that, well, we're not going out as much, right. or they uh, don't have the money or they're worried there's still COVID hesitancy. Right. Um, and because of that strange gap, I was I keep pretty good records for an unorganized guy, <laughs> but my, <laughs> my touring history. And I would say, except for the 1%, uh, the artists like Springsteen and Taylor Swift, um, ticket prices for events are pretty much the same as they were 20 years ago. Hmm. Um, Like maybe like I still, if you want to come and see one of my concerts, the tickets are usually between 25 and $35, I'd say. Hmm. But that is what they were 20 years ago before expenses skyrocketed. (laughs) And, and, but is there a, I, I'm part of my advocacy in the arts sector is to raise awareness to go okay consumer of music and art that doesn't support an artist and we have to learn new ways and of course the biggest elephant in that room is streaming right so Mm -hmm. when i said the income was half most of that is because i used to say okay i've got an audience of 250 people tonight i'm probably gonna sell 25 cds now I will probably sell two <laughs> mm. and the rest. And I used to bitch to people. I said, don't, don't listen to me on Spotify. It's killing. Them. But, but now I say, go ahead. If that's how you want to listen to my music, as long as you understand that, that, that does not support artists. So let's get together and find other ways. Right. right. So, so that's the longest answer ever to your question. <laughs> okay. We're, I think we're all just trying to, stay visible, stay out there and find what works and what doesn't work, you know? But that does get into another thing. One of the reasons we're talking is you have this double book launch coming up. And and the thing in in these books is there's a a music component. They have QR codes in them. So you get to that page, you scan the code, it plays the song. That's right. So is this you... And maybe it serves two masters, but like, is is this like experimenting with the medium or is this like... A way to get people to listen to the music uh maybe that's a both and and it's very related to my previous rant because yeah. noticing that people aren't buying cds anymore and when they're listening to music they're usually doing it basically for free mm. the i covid gave me the opportunity when i couldn't be on the road to get that damn novel finished and then there's another book that popped out kind of the as the afterbirth to that <laughs> um so it, 
it does have a musical component. It has an activist component, this novel. But really, from a business standpoint, I just grumbled to you that maybe only two people will buy a CD at a concert. They're buying books huh. because it's a novelty, I think. And if I include something in, like, like I'll do, of course, next week at the the launch, that's I'll mainly be reading from it and singing songs from the books. Um, but I think it's a new enough angle that people are intrigued by it. Um, and you might be interested to know, because everyone said to me, oh, I don't know, are people even buying books anymore? Yes, they are. But I I did my novel as an audio book, too, because people say, oh, that's what everyone's listening to or how they're accessing their literature. The book, the hard copy book is far outselling the audio, mm -hmm. which I'm I'm quite curious about. It could be because if I can just get in front of them and wave it in my hand, <laughs> they they know that they know that they're going to be uh, take take something home with them. So. That's the oddity of it, though, right? I mean, and I've heard people explain this. It's like, well, people still like the physical book because it's something they can have and they can put on their shelf. Yeah, that idea hasn't persisted though when it comes to music. I mean, I it's know. the same deal. Like, you can listen to the music on Spotify, but you can also get the physical CD I, and put it on your shelf. I, I know. I I don't get it. it and it's... <laughs> I, I'm on a quest to sort of dive into that and see what we can do with it. But, in fact, you've answered what... I will say at a concert now, okay, a lot of you don't even have a CD player. But this, <laughs> CD, this CD that I have here, I'm waving at you on from the stage... That's a musician's currency. Mm. Um, so if even if you just put it on your shelf uh, or you use it to scrape your windshield in the winter, <laughs> um, it, it that's your support. That And then you don't even have to open it. Listen to it on streaming if you want, but it has to be a both and, not an either or, really, right? It's weird to think of a CD as a token. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and maybe that speaks to ages, right? Yeah. But um, I mean, I'm old enough to have owned a disc. I'm old enough to have owned a Walkman. But um... all right. <laughs> uh, Looking I at, actually... <laughs> sorry, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I just saw on social media, someone had a visual list of all the different physical media that music has been through since the, um, since the '78. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I, I had produced works in all of those mediums except for eight tracks. Okay. But I did, I did vinyl. I did singles, forty fives, um, cassettes, CDs, and, and all the way through. I even you know, I have a a little USB stick that you can <laughs> buy my stuff on. So there, our habits that way have changed more quickly than i i remember right mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one of the books you're launching the highway and i seems kind of like a retrospective and it just you know given the last 30 minutes we've been talking yeah typically you write your memoir at the end it doesn't feel <laughs> like you're at the end right no, like thank you thank you for saying <laughs> that. yeah <laughs> but you know you, you know what i'm getting at it you know sure. you feel you feel very much like you're re-energized you're you're sure. reinvested like this yeah. isn't the end for you so to speak no 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 well so you're asking what like why now with that or, 
Well, maybe. I mean, is this like you putting a, a marker in the ground and saying yeah. like, this is where I've been. This is where I am. This is yeah. now, now I'm going to go somewhere else. Well, actually, the stories are, are focused on the humorous tales that I've encountered. And I have a strange, uh, there was a strange reason to try to get it out because I've been collecting the stories for years. So it wasn't like I had to sit down for a couple of years and write from scratch. I had them most of them and but my novel the ark of the oven mitt last year was nominated it was a finalist for the stephen leacock humor award mm -hmm. and and no one was more surprised about that than me i didn't set out to write a funny book but you know it has humor is one of the tools that i always use and things so uh then someone forget like a fan said to me well you know those stories i put them out once a month in my newsletter these stories so they said, those stories, they're funnier than that book. <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe I'll capitalize on that, what I gained in attention and with that nomination by sort of keeping that ball rolling and saying, okay, here, yeah, I, here's another offering that way. So uh, mm. it, it felt like a, a good time business-wise, maybe not from an overall career wise but you're right I, i'm glad to hear that yeah I'm, I'm not done yet and another question to go back to that you mentioned okay my calendar feels pretty full another piece of advocacy that i'm doing now as a senior citizen mm. is that there is ageism in the business mm. Mm -hmm. um and there's always i think i'll always have a gig i've been around long enough enough people know what i do and yet I notice that it's really divided. There's, and I don't have an agent right now. My agent quit during COVID because strangely enough, 20% of nothing didn't add up to very much. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, there turns out to be in our country, at any rate, there's kind of, I'm, I'm excited to see another generation coming forward to offer great music. They seem to have their own venues and the, us old buggers have their venues and there's very little cross pollination between them. So unless we change that, the venues that I'm going to, that is mostly the older crowd, they'll be dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and we've got to make sure that the folks that are going to the older ones are learning and appreciating what the younger people are doing and vice versa. Right. So mm -hmm. that's my my goal to actually produce music that could be accessible to any age group. Maybe to wrap up, you had a, you, 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 you genuinely went viral last year with the Crybabies yeah. caravan. That's right. Uh, has that become your taken care of business? Is that the one they want to hear when they go to a James Gordon show? Well, I'll tell you it's, I have to, I'm nervous every time I show up for a show because I know I don't sing it unless it's requested. Okay, it's almost always requested because you're right. People know me for that. But I was playing it. I think it was in Duncan, BC, in September. Someone requested the song. I said, "Sure, here it is," and half the audience walked out. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you turned off the audience. I know. So. <laughs> And next month, I'm touring in Saskatchewan and Alberta. Mm -hmm. And 
I just gave an interview yesterday to a radio host in Alberta who some for some reason I mentioned those terrible words or something. He was talking about my advocacy for different issues. And I said, Well, of course we I have a song called Gotta Get Off the Oil. And he said, Okay, I'm taking that off the recording for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's very sensitive right now and mm. i think i think it's more helpful for me to have had that viral hit just to raise awareness about me as an artist than to actually keep singing the song <laughs> it's it's weird that we kind of the intention of this is to sort of talk about post-political life but there yes, really is yeah. no such well, thing no, there's no such thing. And and you saw a couple of weeks ago at council, I was laughing <laughs> because there was a whole report from the integrity commissioner mm -hmm. about how there were six complaints to the integrity commissioner last year, all to the same counselor. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> You're just outing yourself now. I know. He didn't, he didn't say who it was, but yeah. Well, he's not allowed to, but I think I... I don't care. It was me because everyone was about the song. Really? And, and like he thought it was a total joke. I mean, he laughed the complaints off and he said they're all the same. Um, but the idea was, how can an elected official express an opinion like that that doesn't represent all their constituents? Interesting. When in fact, you know, yeah. So that that's what was behind that. And, you know, it came with death threats too. the Really? So, yeah, I actually had the Guelph police call me and say, we've been following your social media and you got to take that stuff seriously that we're seeing across there. So, yeah, it's for God's sakes, it was just a song, right? But mm -hmm. it shows how se ultra sensitized people are now and they're sort of flailing around for where, where they're going to land. And so things like that can can resonate not always in a good way but i i should say with that song the death threats and the complaints i got so many views and com comments i would say that would be five percent of people mm. objected to it the mm -hmm. 95 weren't as noisy but they were there and they were appreciative and but the five percent blots out the sun in its way it sure does yeah <laughs> well first let me say thank you even though you're not a city councillor you've provided some very interesting uh background newsy information yeah. that will certainly help me promote this podcast all right uh, <laughs> uh but uh as for that you know just thanks for your time james and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad you're still out there and uh touring and you you are you are a guelph brand and uh <laughs> still still beloved by the 95 percent oh nice yeah well i should put put that on my business card yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right this was a thanks. great thanks james great to talk to you okay see you soon and once again that was james gordon you can find links to gordon's music and other projects as well as a list of upcoming tour dates on his website jamesgordon.ca if you're listening to this on wednesday gordon will be holding that double book launch tonight at the bookshelf cinema starting at 7 p.m Tickets are $10 at the door. If you'd like to learn more about the efforts to build a health clinic in Soruko in the Democratic Republic of Congo, there is a GoFundMe page for that, and you can also find the link for it at Gordon's website. 
as well. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we will see you next time.